Hey everybody, today's episode's a little on the short side, but it has a quality guest. I was only allotted about 20 minutes to talk to Charles Band, who is, if you don't know who he is, he is a famous producer with 40 plus years in the business, 300 plus film credits to his name. Uh, the guy's a living legend. He created Full Moon Features, which is his brand, his whole production house, his production company with famous little genre films like the Puppet Master franchise, which I know a lot of people love. A lot of people that listen to the show I know love. I mean, he has some classic stories about working with Gary Busey and Klaus Kinski. When I got the email to potentially interview him for his upcoming memoir that drops tomorrow, November 16th, I had to jump at it, and they only gave me about 20 minutes to talk to him because he's on a book tour right now. Basically, he's talking from one member of the press to the other, and I guess as I say that, that just makes me realize I am a member of the press, maybe. I don't know how I feel about that, but anyway, I only had 20 minutes to talk to him, and it's a pretty awesome interview. He, you know, We talk a little bit of his career, some of the stuff he touches on in the books, and he does a great plug for the book, and I got it on pre-order. It should be here possibly by tomorrow or sometime this week. I can't wait to dive into it. So just sit back, relax, and listen to Charles Band talk about, you know, his career for a little bit with me. And I hope you all go out and check out his memoir, which is titled Confessions of a Puppet Master, a Hollywood memoir of ghouls, guts, and gonzo filmmaking on bookshelves November 16th. So on with the show. Welcome to the basement. Today is very, very big. We have Charles Band on the basement. Charles, how are you doing today? Um, I, I think I'm in the basement. <laughs> oh, whatever. I'm doing really good. Thank you. All right. We have, um, we have, well, you have a memoir coming out. And by the time this airs, I'm just going to say it's going to come out tomorrow because this should be out November 15th and the memoir drops November 16th. I have pre-ordered it. I look forward to it. I've been a fan of your work for... I pretty much I think your 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 movies have been on video shelves since I was a little kid. So um I've been a big fan of pretty much what you've put out there with full moon features and everything. So thank you. Thank you. I you're welcome. You're welcome. Um just to kind of get started off here. I know we got a little only a little bit of time, but uh just talk to me about you know the early days. Like what I, I always like to ask people that come on the show, everybody that comes on the show is some sort of a creative person, but like, what did you see that made you want to do that? You know what I mean? Right. Well, I was lucky in that I, um, well, first I grew up in Italy. So my dad was there making films. Um, we were, we lived in Rome, but, you know, we traveled to Yugos, former Yugoslavia, to Spain. Uh, he, I just grew up on a movie set, um, Spaghetti Westerns and Epics with Steve Reeves. And he put me in some of those movies. I learned really quickly not to like being in front of the camera. I thought all the action was behind the camera. Yeah. But I also loved the craft and he put me to work and, um, you know, he, I, I apprenticed just everywhere. I mean, pretty much soup to nuts, even thing to, things that today are obsolete. I know how to do. 
like numbering negative. You know, it's like, who does that anymore? No, <laughs> yeah. no, no purpose. So, you know, and I was a big fan of um, sci-fi fantasy horror. Uh, I, you know, I was, I was going to say I'm deprived. I was deprived of, um, you know, growing up in Italy in the 60s, there was basically no TV. Of course, everything we know today, internet, easy access to movies, none of that existed. So the, I had a diet of some great music, great music of the 60s, some really weird Italian movies, Pasolini, Fellini, the occasional Italian horror movie, and Marvel comics. Uh, I started looking at those comics even before the superhero sort of era began with Fantastic Four. So that was sort of the diet. And, and all I wanted to do was make, eventually make horror movies. So uh, that was my dream. And uh, we came back to the States. 1970, I was uh, just turned uh, late 70. Anyway, I just turned 20. And uh, my brother was 18. And the family fell on hard times. So it was like really difficult for the first few months. I wound up uh, working at a men's clothing store on Hollywood Boulevard selling ties. And I am completely colorblind. So, you know, it was just, wow. I don't uh, mean to laugh, sorry, but no, no, no. It's, <laughs> I mean, I have a sense of color and I somehow choose things yeah. that are kind of cool, but I can't identify some colors. Anyway, luckily being an entrepreneur from age zero, I invented a gift item business, but I don't have time for that, made a bunch of money. And of course decided now it's time to make movies and I really haven't stopped. Yeah, no, you haven't. Um, how many just throwing it out there. This was a later question, but I just thought I'd touch on it right yeah. now. How many films does Full Moon have Have they released? Well, everything I call Full Moon now, Full Moon started yeah, you're right. tiny, but I started making movies in the early 70s. So we folded all of those, my body of work into Full Moon. Uh, and the movie, I always lose track of the exact number, but I've made about 350 movies. Jesus. I know it's kind of, it's really, yeah, there's some years I made 20 films and then, you know, it ebbs and flows. There were really great years, um, direct-to-video years and really bleak years and years where I was you know, just like right on the edge of the precipice of doom. So, you know, it's, it, I think the book, what, what's cool about it, I, I think people will enjoy. It's not like every movie and a little story from all the movies I made. It's more about the journey of an entrepreneur who's trying to figure out how to, you know, mix uh, art and commerce. You know, how do you pay your bills, stay alive and do what you love doing, making movies? Yeah. And again, there've been really great stretches and really, really bad ones. Luckily, things are just now beginning to get good again after many really bad years, because we were like the number one supplier for years, uh, direct-to-video, independent supplier. I mean, we had, you know, movies on every shelf. Or we were, you know, doing great at Blockbuster and Hollywood. Paramount distributed us. And unlike businesses that somehow, you know, get more difficult or less stores or, you know, things changed. The direct-to-video business literally died. Like, you know, we went from 38,000 stores across the United States and, every, and all over the world on every corner to zero. You know, no one goes and rents videos anymore. So that was a real hard time for me and for others who were surviving on, on that great, amazing phenomena. You know, the, your local video store. Yeah, no, I I remember renting a lot of your stuff back when I was a kid and I was just kind of, I guess I, I treated some of your films. I can't really think of off the top of my hat were, were a very gateway horror for me that I could just, I, I was nervous about, but I would just roll the dice on. I mean, yeah, like the, the, I, I just, I've been used to seeing those things forever. Um, <laughs> right. But you mentioned, you, you know, you come from a family of a, a film. You, you've been on sets your whole life. I know your dad was a filmmaker that, Talk to just talk about like, did you 
ever kind of pull any knowledge from him that you use to this day or how do you? Oh yeah, no, well, for sure. He was uh, the veteran and yeah, he, um, the knowledge, first he was a great father. I was incredibly blessed to have a wonderful father and mother. And my dad uh, was an artist and he was the son, uh, the only son of a well-known sculptor painter. Mm -hmm. He was French. He born in Paris, came to the States with his mom and dad at age 16. So I not only learned the craft because I was so into it and he put me to work, but, you know, he had a great temperament. You know, you have to be sort of even, you know, kind of calm, you know, you're, you're dealing with a lot of drama always. That's sort of how the business is and how a lot of the people who are in this business are less so today. People have mellowed out, but you know, I remember all sorts of crazy tantrums back in the day, people on set, not being happy, not getting their way. And I worked with some wild people like Klaus Kinski in the eighties and Gary Busey, you know, you work with volatile people and you, you know, you want to get the show done. Cause at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. You want to wrap your movie and you know, not have to go, oh, you know, we couldn't finish the movie because of the dispute with the actor. He walked off the set or, you know, I mean, we've had those experiences, but we always managed to stitch it back. So for my dad, I learned the right temperament, I believe, and 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 the craft of movie making. And um, I was very lucky that way. Interesting. Uh, you mentioned uh, comic books early on when you were a kid and a couple people that have you know, comic book artists or writers have come on this show from time to time are just fans in general or filmmakers. And that's was kind of a, I mean, definitely for me, it's one thing that I, I gravitate towards, but I've noticed it's either the story or the art in the comics. Like what did you gravitate more towards? Or if it I gravitated was- to really both, I mean, I would say more the art, uh, you know, so again, I'm a, I'm a kid in Italy uh, no television, you know, all the stuff that even back then in the Stone Age days, people were used to here, I, I didn't get. So I started to, you know, I, I read the DC comics. I loved the pre-superhero Marvel comics. And I began to figure out in my little brain that, uh, okay, that artist is really cool. And he did this one and he did that one. And then I began to try to find his name. Oh, it's Jack Kirby. Oh, okay. Now I understand why I, I like that, you know, or same story with Steve Ditko. And it was great later on, I, I, I was able to buy a lot of that art. I, I met and became friendly with Stanley and Jack Kirby separately, but nonetheless, and uh, have some good history. Some of those stories are in the book. Um, but you know, you, you, one of the charming things about the Marvel comics were uh, at, at the time was that, you know, the stories were really, yes, there were intergalactic battles and Dr. Doom and all that kind of stuff, but there was also, you know, Peter Parker and his aunt. So there was all these human elements, which are sorely lacking from today's big sci-fi fantasy tentpole movies. You know, you have 90% effects and explosions and all the craziness, and then a little sliver of a scene with two humans talking to each other, which is, you know, unfortunate because, you know, these, the early sci-fi fantasy movies that I think a lot of us grew up with were, the, the, the effects were used very sparingly. You know, they were like magical and all of a sudden, even going back to, you know, Jason and the Argonauts and the Seven Voyage of Sinbad and movies where they sprinkled in these wonderful scenes. But then it was about the characters you cared about and the adventure and the pretty girl and whatever it was. And today, sadly, the, with few exceptions, you know, the, 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 those character-driven stories are long gone. So I love the early Marvel comics uh, also because of, you know, Reed Richards and Sue and issues they had that were everyday issues. That was magic uh, for me, uh, having read other books at the time that were 
just about superheroes and supervillains and rescuing kids and all that stuff. All right. So let's kind of just talk about the book right now. Um, yeah. What, I mean, it's kind of a broad question. I don't know what kind of answer, but uh, <laughs> the me- a memoir, like what made you want to write this? Has it been something you've just been accumulating over the years writing? You know, it, it, it was, I have a, I'm pretty planned out guy. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, you have to be if you're in some cases making 20 movies in a year. So the last thing on my mind early last year was the book. Of course, the last thing on everyone's mind was COVID. So as the year began and COVID was happening and I still made some kind of weird movies just because I can't stop. Um, fortuitously, I was, uh, I kind of fell into this mode where I was thinking, you know, I, I, it may make sense for me to write a book. I'd like to talk about my, my career so far because we're cranking. I mean, next year we, we have 18 movies planned. So it's not like, oh, I'm going to go out and you know, hang out at a bar now in Italy and you know, let me think about my wonderful life. But I thought it would be good to be able to, you know, put some of this down. And more than anything else, I thought it would give me a chance to get on shows like yours and talk about our streaming site, Full Moon Features, and all the plans we have. And But, you know, I never do things in a traditional way. So basically, and this is a long story, I'll give you the, su- the super short version, um, got in touch with HarperCollins. They loved the idea of um, a story about my, my career so far. Uh, they connected me with a, a literary agent, turned out to be an awesome guy. He connected me with Adam Felber, who's my biographer, who's, you know, he and I see eye to eye. He's funniest guy, great writer, was one of the head writers on the Bill Maher show for 11 years. And of course, Bill Maher is one of the people I put in his first movie, as yeah. an aside. And um, during those, those kind of summer into the fall months of intense COVID stuff last year, every Saturday for about two hours, for about five months, Adam and I were on the phone and he forced me to tell these stories. I mean, I am so forward thinking, I never look back. I mean, I, I, it took a while to kind of remember. And then, yeah, then I did, you go, okay, no one's asked me that question. I haven't thought about that movie or that experience in 30 years or 40 years. So little by little, we stitched together the book and um, presto bingo, here it is. Nice. Uh, so I'm just kind of going off of on the press release I got for the book. Um, there's some, uh, just if you want to tease it a little bit, not to give anything yeah. away, but there's a couple topics that you touch on in the book that I was just intrigued by and wanted to at least ask right. a little bit about. Uh, so Marilyn Monroe was your babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't want to spoil too much in the book. And of course my regret is, and yes, she was. The reason why is my dad was assistant director to John Houston in the beginning of his career. And they made movies like Red Badger Courage and Asphalt Jungle. These were considered classics at the time, late 40s, early 50s. And um, they discovered Marilyn Monroe, her first movie. She was unknown, was Asphalt Jungle. And she became a friend of the families for many years, very close to when she, you know, poor thing passed away. Um, So I guess in the very beginning, uh, when she had no money and she was hanging out with my mom and dad, she apparently babysat twice. Now, my biggest regret, of course, um, was being four months old. You know, I mean, what a, what a jip, you know, it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, what? So yeah, yeah I so you have no that. recollection of it. Zero. Oh, I mean, I should God. at least remember something like real pretty and I'm sure she held me and, you know, what can I say? I can do all sorts of funny gestures, but no memory at all. Oh man, not even a photo? <laughs> 
not of me and her. Now, I have great shots. I have a beautiful shot. It's in the book of my mom and dad hanging out with Marilyn and Joe DiMaggio, who she was with at the time. And, you know, we have all sorts of wonderful pictures, but no, no me, little, little four-year-old dude with Marilyn, you know, nestling into her bosom. I don't have that shot. <laughs> okay. All right. It's all good. Um, well, there's definitely a lot of interesting, that's all I really wanted to ask you on that front. Cause I want people <laughs> to just buy the book and read it. Cause I'm, I'm waiting for the thing to show up on my doorstep. I really look for, I've been reading a lot of memoirs of just industry people for a while. I just finished, um, the one of uh, Cassandra Peterson did. Yeah, yeah, that was a great one too. Yeah, and she and I go back. You know, I've been involved with so many of these people who, back in the day when they were, you know, unknown. I mean, to me, more. I gave her her first movie on Helen Hunt, Viggo Mortensen, Julie, uh, Julie Louise Driver. Yeah, that was a shock. I and yeah, back one. in the early '80s when Elvira was just beginning to happen, Cassandra came on board and sort of was the host on one of my compilation shows I did back in the day, and we we kept in touch. And a few years ago. Uh, because, you know, she's always looking for a new angle. They approached me um, to, she wanted to do a wraparound, do her shtick uh, around 12 full moon movies, you know, which I thought was great. So we yeah. went in the studio and those are currently up. They're always up on our streaming site, fullmoonfeatures.com. So you yeah. can see Elvira doing her thing. And every one of those episodes, there are 12 of them. It's, they're full moon movies. Interesting. All right. Well, the book is out November 16th. Like I said, as we record this, uh, that's in a few weeks. By the time this drops, it'll be tomorrow. And um, yeah, there's a lot of cool things that seem to be in the book that I can't wait to learn about. Uh, <laughs> you teased on Gary Busey and Klaus Kinski. I can't wait to read those stories. Um, uh, yeah, no, you're just, you've had a lot of longevity in this industry, which is hard to come by. So, you know, just I'm sure you've heard it plenty of time, but congratulations to you on the book and your great career. Well, thank you. And I'm going to do what they told me to do is I'm actually going to hold it up. All there right. There it is. Sessions of a puppet master. All right. That's, that's <laughs> I think it's a fun book Instagram. for, I think it's a fun book for people who are passionate about something in the arts. And, and, you know, I learned a million lessons, you know, I didn't have, I mean, yes, I knew how to make movies kind of, I grew up on a movie set, but I, the minute I was out of high school, I had to go start making movies. I had no time to waste. Uh, you know, I had no formal business training, so I made a gazillion mistakes. Um, and so the book's more about my journey as far as just sticking with it. You know, you just got to and, and it's and it's great if it's something you love. You know, if it's something you don't like doing, that's really hard. But if you are into it, even though there are really bad moments, you you, you just can't help it. It's ups and downs. The world is full of that. I mean, this is a business that has no steady income ever. You know, unlike maybe a different business for businesses, this is sort of hand to mouth. You know, you have a good stretch because the movie does well. You get some extra money. You have a bad stretch because of market conditions and businesses disappearing like the home video business. So you just got to stick with it. And that's sort of the message. But, you know, I, I think people enjoy the, uh, the bizarre journey. Yeah, definitely. Charles Ban, thank you, sir. This was hey, awesome. Thank you. And good luck in your not basement. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, all right. Good luck with the book. Uh, all of you at home listening, you know the routine. Uh, a, go buy his book. And B, don't forget to leave a rating review for this podcast on wherever you guys are listening to it. Wonderful. Take care. That was my interview with Charles Band. Thank you all for listening if you stuck around for it. Um, great guy. Great interview. I was probably kind of nervous. Maybe you could tell. I've been a fan of his his work for many years. I've kind of followed his career since I was maybe a teenager making all the, you know, he made 
produced a lot of like you know what they call midnight movies and those you know b movies which you know i think sometimes get a bad rap but a lot of people love them and i mean i've been a fan of them since i was a kid yeah that was a lot of fun it was kind of crazy that i'm here i am on a zoom call and charles band pops up to let me talk to him it's living the dream i guess but all that being said you know obviously his book that he talked about is available tomorrow as you are hearing this november 15th it's available on november 16th if you're hearing this after november 15th it is on sale right now and you should go check it out uh, if you're into filmmaking, if you're into just movies in general, it's if you're into wanting to make it as a filmmaker, uh, it sounds like a real treat from what he was telling me in that interview. So real quick, before I just wrap things up here, I want to thank everybody who has uh, made some purchases on uh, Public of the No Shave November shirt with that awful photo of me on it. It's uh, all the money from the purchases go to preventcancer.org for the No Shave November little profile I have on there. And that just runs through the entire month of November. I am running around this weekend. I'm doing a lot of traveling, but I will be sure to be mailing those out to all of you. You know who you are. And thank you again for donating to a charitable cause. So with all that being said, uh, same time, same place next week on The Basement. Uh, with another show for you. Take care, everybody.